0: Welcome to My Creative Corner 3, a podcast about quilting, creativity, and life in a northern town. Feel free to leave comments on the show notes at mycreativecorner3.wordpress.com, and let's keep the conversation going online. My name is Vicki, and welcome to the podcast. Hello, welcome to the Our Creative Souls version of my Creative Corner 3 where I talk about what my sister and I are up to, all the crafts, and a little update around the house. So I've been working on hand embroidery. I went to Aldi because one of my friends at Simple Handmade Everyday, Kristen, said that they had a so boho kit for $8 and had hoops some fabric, thread, everything you need for handwork for embroidery. They were really cute boho themed motifs. And I bought it. And the first one, if you remember, was a little bluebird that I stitched. And this week I've been working on a very fantasy inspired butterfly. Well, I went grocery shopping at Aldi and on the 50% rack was the other kit. Both of these kits are by a designer named Kelly Fletcher. I love what it says on the back of the box. Kelly grew up among needles, thread, yarn, and fabric. Drawing on traditional stitches and techniques, Kelly puts a contemporary spin on each design to create a fresh look that appeals to the modern embroiderer. And the second kit that I got for $4 was called So Lovely. This is a monogram. Kid. and I just so happened to have a wedding coming up and that would be my son's getting married and I thought wouldn't it be fun to monogram either a hoop design or a pillowcase or a hand towel something uh, kind of an old fashioned idea but her designs are truly contemporary so that is one project I'm working on. I continue to work on my passion projects with both quilting and macrame. I have cast on, I guess you call it that macrame, a new project with very thin cord. It's 100% cotton that I bought at Hobby Lobby and it's working up absolutely beautiful. It said macrame cord on it But it's really kind of designed like rope and my goal is next week when I'm home on a staycation that I will have this project done with all the knotting and then I will dip dye the ends in that blue Rit dye that I talked about that I had such a hard time finding and have this ombre effect of dark tips all the way up the rope going lighter and lighter and lighter. Now, according to the RIT dye instructions, it says that I should be able to just dye them, rinse it, rinse it again. However, if there's anyone out there who has used dyes on 100% cotton rope or cord, do I need to do anything else to fix the dye? I'm definitely gonna follow the directions about adding salt and hot, water and all of that business. I've never done hand dyeing before or dyed anything with um, writ dye and I think I'm marbled fabric and that's paint not dye. So I'm very inexperienced at this but this is a piece that I'm going to keep for myself because it's truly an experiment and I want to keep working on the macrame and perfect a few pattern ideas and then maybe have some things for gifts for later on this year or for Christmas. Now I saw a really fun thing when I put in the search box for YouTube macrame and it was a lady took two metal hoops and she said they were at hobby lobby for less than two dollars a hoop. One was brass, one was silver colored as your options for finishes. And then she put like a ring and then a ring was two inches bigger around that. And then she cast on macrame and then did like a crescent moon shape out of square knots with fringe. I really like that and I am going to try some of that too. I'm just on fire with all of these different (laughs) projects. Wait, let me say that again. I am on fire fire! How's that with all of these projects? Um, I've been having fun because like the dyeing I really want to do outside in case, um, no there's no in case, when I have an accident with dye. I don't want it in my house on my semi-new carpet and everything else in my house is um, maybe not new uh, but it's got to last so I can't afford a big spill of dye. But I get asked a lot, why do you do all the things? Why do you craft so much? Why do you quilt so much? If you listen every other week, um, the whole podcast theme is on quilting. Um, Well, I have a lot of answers on that. I like to do all the things because number one, it helps me to avoid burnout, I'm reading from a list on my quilter's planner and just as a a side and an update, I'm using this every day. It's the best thing I've ever invested in for organizing my life. Avoid burnout. Um, I've quilted for 20 some years real very seriously and you hit the wall sometimes in design ideas and quilting ideas and just um, like the last couple of weeks with... um, my arthritis in my hip and my fingers, um, I could not bear the thought of sitting in a chair to sew. I really want to look into more handwork. And so that's why the embroidery has been a savior to me. Um, my fingers have hurt. So knitting, um, I don't know why right now I'm in a kind of a, a achy point knitting hurts um I did cast off a shawl recently and I will share that in the show notes my green one skein wonder yes I finished it I have to block it I don't know if I'll block it I don't even know if it's worth blocking on a shawl I may steam it a bit with my iron I digress. So I like to do so many things because I also have a brain that needs to be stimulated. In case you haven't noticed, I I can get off topic and doing the same thing over and over and over is really not my idea of fun. I can't operate like a machine or a robot or factory produced over and over again. That's just something that I can't do. But it kind of goes against a norm that's maybe cultural, maybe it's American, maybe it's just my family. But it's like if you're going to make something and you're good at it, you have to sell it. You have to keep your hands busy at all times. And then you make things to either give it away as gifts or sell it to make money because it's too self-indulgent to be doing things for the sake of just creating And I have learned in the half a century I've been on this earth that I like to do things because I like to make them and I want to keep them around in my house and some of them I will give away. It also helps me, you know, the next bullet point, why do all the things? It helps me to be inspired. If I'm hitting a roadblock in one craft or one art form, I try something else, Zentangle, doodling. When I hit a roadblock in free motion quilting, that really helps me get over the hurdle and how it helped me problem solve and be inspired by shapes. If I'm really stuck on the repetitive nature of knitting, I move on to crochet or macrame. Um, sometimes I like to just color in a page because it's very zen and therapeutic. The other thing I have to be careful of is just buying only the project supplies you need because otherwise I would have a hoard and I'm not investing money in hoarding things thinking that I'm going to do factory um, repetitive nature churning out products just because I don't need 7,000 macrame pieces. The most pieces I have in my house, though, I will say are quilts. Um, But it's a collection that I've made of over 20 years or more, plus some of my relatives' quilts. Is that a guilty pleasure? Maybe. I feel like it's a necessity for balance in my life. The next thing I have is um, only one skill or craft is good for some people, but I think it's also a, a ploy for marketers you have the fear of missing out or the FOMO. If you don't buy the things that are in the store every week for a specific craft, like beads, cord, color, fabric, then you are going to miss out because it'll never come this way again. And I've decided that, well, that's ridiculous. There are certain things that will always be there. Certain fabric lines, certain colors, they all come and go and you may not be able to buy it right away. But chances are you could replace it or find it on a secondary market if you needed it in the future. I also think that it's just a way of marketing that helps the you know feed this impulsive nature we have that we want to make things that maybe we really aren't going to make like scrapbooking. I tried it. I bought a ton of product um, back in the 90s and I bought more product than I ever created and I decided about early 2000s when digital photography came about that I really didn't like scrapbooking, never really liked it. I felt like it was a duty of all good mothers to make these well-curated, beautiful journal-like scrapbooks because that's what my friends were doing and I felt really guilty that I wasn't a good mom and I didn't make all of these wonderful scrapbooks detailing every journey and step in our children's lives with a handwritten note and poetry written in calligraphy script. Okay, I'm getting ridiculous now, but that's how I felt. and um, after I made it, I made each of my children a book and I did a family book and by the time year 2000 came around I didn't want to do it anymore. It was too much stuff and I really didn't like. Collecting all of that and I didn't enjoy it. So Give it away throw it away Make crafts with it, you know, lots of cards and buntings and all kinds of cool things, but I decided photographs and That wasn't for me sometimes It's okay if you want to do one thing for a long time While you're dabbling in other things. Does that make sense? Um, I have to say primarily I focus a lot of hours a week. In sewing and quilting. And I dabble in knitting. Crocheting. Tatting. Macrame. The list will go on. Does it mean that I should spend more time. On these other things that are more secondary to me. Because I'm not quote a master at them. See that's another um, little cultural lie or maybe my family's lie that you have to keep or maybe it's just my own personal bias that you have to do something until you can do it perfectly and you've mastered every single stinking skill that there is to do this particular craft and this may come from my background as a child in taking music lessons and that you I took my violin lessons um, from age nine all the way till uh, 18 years old I was not, and I still am not, a virtuoso. And I can barely play scales sometimes. I can play a jig occasionally and a few classical pieces with the music. I've never mastered bowing techniques, but I always felt that because you have to practice this stuff over and over and over and over, if you never master it, then you failed. And I've come to appreciate that everything I learned was enjoyable and I really liked doing and it. it led me on other paths of creativity I actually by the time I got to middle school and high school played upright string bass in many orchestras but it was all based on this idea that started with a violin and learning and reading music so it's okay to get stuck on one thing as your passion for quite some time and then have these secondary things there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, most of us have multiple interests. We're all faceted like very intricately cut gems. Isn't that a great allegory or metaphor, metaphor is the right word. The other thing is um sometimes I do things by season. There's certain things I do in the winter like that are heavy and making blankets and quilts. In the summer, it's light and portable and not hot. Um, I will probably do that in the summer. Drawing more in the summer. I mean, it's just, that's kind of how I operate. And I've come to feel that that's okay. I used to be stuck on this, if you had to do it every day, or you were wasting your time investing in the product that you bought. I also have learned that since we have big box stores and we have some big box craft stores in my town that I can buy whatever I want, whenever I want. With the internet, I can even get extremely exotic things at actually a fraction of the cost of what it used to be when I was younger. And you had to travel two hours one way to craft stores and fabric stores because we didn't even have... Um, much for fabric stores up here when I was a kid so that's the update on my thoughts for the week on creativity I'm in what I've been working on um, next week on my staycation I told you I want to work on the macrame and the dip dyeing I also want to work on a couple of my own personal projects in quilts. I also bought some wool roving and I want to make hand-squeezed, felted wool. Can you hear that in the microphone? I'm squeezing my hands. Wool balls, like dryer balls, only want to make them small. Holly Ann of String and Story did a great tutorial on her Facebook Live. and You can still look it up. And how to make little wool felted balls that you can put in teacups for pincushions. and I thought oh I've got a plethora of teacups because I used to collect them and I thought wouldn't they make wonderful gifts or even if I wanted to use them in decor um, I even found tiny little doll teacups in my cupboard you know probably from 10 20 years ago with their doll teacups and uh, saucers and I thought wouldn't they be cute with tiny little pieces of roving I also, if I have time, want to use the roving to make fairy gardens in clear Christmas bulbs and hang them on the ornament hanger that I got out and had that disaster when I dropped my one fairy garden. But anyway, we won't talk about that anymore. We're going to make it a goal to put four lightweight, small, and very modern, simple-looking fairy gardens on those. So I want to... um, break away and let you uh, listen to what my sister did over the last week and all that she got done and it's just amazing her creativity. So let's listen to what
1: Nancy has to say. Well the past week I got most of the dog ramp completed. It's usable. Just needs another coat of paint on it. The two littler dogs use it without a problem the big dog that I own and is much older is the one I really made it for and she still needs some work before she will use it don't know if it's the angle or just something new that scares her but she'll get it and it actually has come in quite handy this week because one of my little dogs had to go in for surgery nothing major but she's not supposed to be jumping or anything like that, and this makes it much more convenient for her. So it's working out quite well. The other project I've been working on this week is a project I started a couple years ago. It's a completely freestanding fence-slash-flower box row that blocks the front part of my side yard. My side yard is also considered my backyard because my backyard is very small but I own the lot that's next to me. So it's about 50 foot wide. It's all freestanding, all made out of reclaimed fence wood that we made five flower boxes with little Sort of like picket fence looking fences in between them all. Connected the fence, lo- fence section to the flower boxes. So it's all freestanding. And I don't have to worry about if it's movable or if I don't like it in a spot or whatever. I can actually move this whole thing. In the flower boxes this year, I'm creating birdhouse stands with trellises attached to them so far even that is freestanding i bought some pvc pipe with basic caps for the one end to attach the birdhouses to the other end i cemented the pvc pipes into flower pots big flower pots about half full and it gives it the stability and weight it needs to keep it from moving also movable i can pick them up and if i don't want them in the flower boxes anymore i can put them anywhere in my yard i've gotten two of the five birdhouse posts done i'm doing them two different styles so i can figure out which one i like better and go from there. The one style is using the pole for the birdhouse with strings running down to my flower boxes because I have climbing roses and mar- the climbing roses are very small yet they're transplants from last year so I to give it a little more boost this year for looks I planted marigolds or morning glories in them And they'll climb the wires and go from there. That's the one version I'm doing. The other version, I found a picture using tomato cages. One stuck in the ground like normal. And the other one you attach upside down. And then the plants can grow up them. And I have come up with a way to attach birdhouses to the top. I'll see if I can get some close-up pictures of how I did it. Thank goodness for my other half <laughs> because my hands are not strong enough to bend some of this wire and he did all the wire bending for me. Also, in one of the tomato cage trellises, I used a second tomato cage and I'm creating a bird bath out of it. Well, more like a butterfly water feature it's not really deep enough for a bird bath but birds could definitely get a drink out of it I I'll also once that's completed I'll get some pictures of that and get it posted other than that business as usual I squeeze in my craft time between work and grandkids and running errands just like everybody else does but I try to get as much done as possible from day to day. And once I get my fence row done, I get to really play and add some more plants. That's my favorite part. And other than that, just one day at a time. All right.
0: She's done so much, hasn't Nancy? Nancy. I just want to end this week by thanking you all for coming back and listening to another podcast by me. And I don't recall if I've ever properly introduced myself. And I updated my intro. And I don't believe I even said my name. But my name is Vicki Holloway of My Creative Corner 3. You can find my blog at My Creative Corner 3 wordpress.com. If you like to sew, I did sew a block um, for my improv quilt. And if you're interested in learning about curved piecing, I did do a YouTube video. You can find that on my channel. I also have a twice a month newsletter. And if you missed your newsletter that just went out in this week, then please sign up for it. You can find the link on my website, Thanks for listening, and I really appreciate all those who have taken the time to comment. I'd like to encourage people to leave a review on iTunes or wherever you may be getting your podcast. If they have a place to review it, please do so. It really helps me out a lot and helps to grow the community of people we have that listen to the podcast. And if you feel so led, I also have a patron link on my blog for those who want to contribute either a one-time gift or monthly that helps me um, defray the cost of the expense of this podcast. And um, those who have become patrons, I again say thank you for all of your support. Come back next week when I talk about what I did on my summer staycation, and if I completed the things that I wanted to do. And next week will be more of a quilting focused, and the week after that will be another edition of Our Creative Souls. From the 45th Parallel, this is Vicki, and for my sister Nancy, I'd like to say, be creative.